nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Guys, what a race the Spanish Grand Prix was. Absolutely phenomenal, Kunal. Yes, the Spanish Grand Prix was actually un-2017 like because all the while while we were while we were waiting for 2017, we were worried that this season could bore us. And guess what? The Spanish Grand Prix did exactly the opposite. And Kunal, finally, after five long races, we saw an overtake for the lead. And you know, not just once, but we saw that twice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The Spanish Grand Prix is by far my most favorite Grand Prix of this season and I still can't get over the Vettel Bottas overtake and uh, Vettel threw him such a dummy in fact a double dummy is what we call it and I honestly can't remember when we last saw a Ferrari overtake a Mercedes this convincingly in this hybrid era of formula 1 and then it got even better because we had hamilton versus vettel and that's what lewis hamilton wanted that's what all of us wanted and that's what we got <laughs> <laughs> so the score actually is hamilton 1 vettel 0 that's the overtaking score that i'm talking about because uh, believe it or not every driver keeps one and i'm sure vettel will be itching to get even can't wait <laughs> <laughs> so guys in this week's episode we have some really exciting stuff lined up for y'all so we're going to do a quick recap of the phenomenal spanish grand prix and you know kunal the more i'm talking about it i'm realizing it was so bloody awesome <laughs> we also talk about formula 1's learning curve from moto gp and wonder if the new formula 1 without ecclestone is more friendly social and open and of course we're going to try and read bernie ecclestone's mind As you know all these rumors of him buying or helping Brabham buy Force India and these are some crazy rumors during the rounds of the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> so time to get back to the Spanish Grand Prix for now. Yes, yeah, so we have some really interesting things to talk about. And interestingly, so we know Lewis Hamilton has spoken of consistency through the season, you know, more than just winning races and that's something we saw in Spain. And it actually makes sense because Ferrari and Mercedes are so close to one another that the tiniest of mistakes will have the biggest of implications and we've actually been seeing that in the last 5 races. And Ferrari's Achilles heels as we call it has been the safety car whether it's a virtual or the real one. <laughs> and two times out of five races they have been impacted very badly in fact in spain let's remember it was actually sebastian vettel's race to win he had a super start he had a super duper overtake on valtteri bottas then he defended brilliantly well against hamilton coming outside of the pits and he did all of that for just second place ouch 
And yes, like Toto Wolff said, Lewis Hamilton's strategy was like magic. Hamilton drove like a man possessed. Kunal, I can't remember the last time I saw Lewis Hamilton drive like that. Indeed. Indeed, right? He was so tuned into the race. He kept asking, you know, for Vettel's timings, the gap, all of that. It was an absolute spectacle. I'm so happy we got to watch this. <laughs> And like I said, by far the best race of 2017. And how often have we had the two most iconic teams in Formula 1? Yes, you can argue uh, whether Mercedes is still as iconic as Ferrari, but irrespective, two very iconic teams and their two very iconic drivers. They fought on track while the team fought off the pit wall. And this is just the kind of stuff Formula 1 races should be about. So while we're excited about the outcome, Lewis Hamilton thinks that Vettel was angry about losing the race. Now, I'm not sure angry is quite the right word, but obviously, Sebastian Vettel is going to be disappointed and he's going to come back really, really strong in Monaco. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sure he'd be disappointed. And the big question that I have even now, two days after the race, is could Sebastian Vettel have pitted in the last 12-15 laps? Should Ferrari have called him in? given him a fresh set of soft tyres and asked him to do qualifying laps and chase down Lewis Hamilton. The big question which will and which has already gone unanswered. And frankly, I, the reason why I wish they had tried it is because one wrong thing about Ferrari's strategy was that they spent a lot of Vettel's race time on the slowest tyre allocated for that particular weekend. Given how exciting the race already was, I don't think we would have survived that <laughs> level of excitement if Vettel had actually been hunting down Lewis. But anyway, it just seems a bit unfair that a virtual safety car could wipe out nearly that 8-second gap that Sebastian Vettel had. Kural, isn't there a better way to handle it? That's actually an interesting point because just those couple of laps because of Van Doon being thrown out of the track by Philippe Massa, of course Van Doon's fault, uh, I don't know if the FIA should try and innovate in this particular area and improvise because instead of a virtual safety car around the entire circuit, could we actually have or apply the virtual safety car only to that particular sector and we will actually end up relying on luck far lesser. That's a really interesting point. Back to Vettel and Ferrari and I know Valtteri Bottas was running the old spec Mercedes engine. But interesting to think about whether if Ferrari had pressurised Hamilton just a little bit more, could Mercedes have had engine woes? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm sure Mercedes thought about it at some point. But we'll never actually know why they didn't take this chance and, you know, chase down Lewis Hamilton. But it's also good to see that, uh, you know, Ferrari and Mercedes are probably compromising reliability on pace because... We know that Vettel had engine issues in FP3 and Bottas, of course, had his engine issue in the race. Mercedes and Hamilton, for sure, they're pushing it far further. Lewis Hamilton has stopped carrying his drinks bottle on board in his car to reduce weight. <laughs> that, that is, that's just insane. That's crazy. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'll be curious to know if he does that even for Singapore. Frankly, I don't think there's any chance he can do that. But why not? Could I have to talk about the first corner sandwich with Stappen, Raikkonen and Bottas? Do you think anyone was to blame in there? Well, I'm glad nobody was blamed there because <laughs> it was actually a racing incident. But I'm also not glad that no one was penalised. Because at some point, when you look back at the replays and the driver on boards, 
I wonder if the FIA should have actually penalized Verstappen and Raikkonen for dangerous re-entry or rejoining of the racetrack. Because, you know, basis that footage that I've seen, uh, they came straight into Massa's way, who had to swerve, and then he ended up putting Alonso on the grass. I think Magnussen was also impacted. Yeah, yeah, Magnussen was impacted. And I know it was all too quick and probably all in the momentum. Uh, but whatever it was, it was unsafe. And I hope the FI comes out with some sort of clarification on this because it was, you know, had somebody crashed into the rear of a, you know, of the Ferrari or the Red Bull, we we don't know what could have happened there. I think the FIA also needs to clarify on the entire driver identification stickers, please. <laughs> yes. So they've been, so they've issued a suspended sentence towards Force India, and that's because Force India's driver stickers were not. Too visible from the stands, whatever that means. <laughs> I wonder if the FI actually sat there in the stands and waited for those pink cars, <laughs> you know, and said, oh, I can't see the stickers on that car. But uh, the FI surely should have kept commercial contracts in mind while issuing this particular diktat because the teams already have sponsors contracted for those particular places. So, it'll be interesting to see how they come up with a solution to this. And as we know, Force India's cars are full of sponsor stickers. And rightfully so, they're on a roll. But that just puts them in a quandary because where do they now apply these forced upon stickers? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to just let the commercial team at Force India, led by Stephen Kernow, figure that out. My ex-colleagues out there. And I'm sure the engineering team has surely figured their car out because fourth and fifth place... Mind-blowing stuff. Brilliant, guys. Congratulations. So happy. And it makes sense that Force India is against Mercedes helping Honda with their engines. I think that is absolutely fair. Oh, yes. And that actually depends how one sees it. So if you see it as Force India, which you are, I think it's, of course, unfair to the team because... Did anyone turn around and offer Force India help when they were backmarkers in Formula 1? And I'm talking of 8-9 years back. And the answer is a clear no. So they worked extremely hard by themselves, climbed up, up the ranks again by themselves. And that's how it should be for Honda as well. And just dwelling a little on Force India, Sukunal, they're twice the number of points ahead of Toro Rosso in 5th place. And they're now hoping to chase down Red Bull Racing. That is brilliant. <laughs> and uh, going back to what Hamilton said about consistency. So, Force India has finished both their cars in the points in all the five races this season. In fact, they've been the only team to have done that. And frankly, this whole talk about chasing Red Bull Racing is great PR story for Formula 1. But it is also highly ambitious. Daniel Ricciardo had his first podium of the season in Spain. I'm sure he's going to be very, very happy about that. But the, the slightly concerning part is he was 78 seconds off the lead car. 78 seconds. Yeah, he also behaved himself on the podium. And Pedro Della Rosa <laughs> was, was actually smart. He told him, Mr. Ricciardo, no shoey for me. Keep it off. But, or keep uh, it on. <laughs> the shoe, I mean. And uh, talking of the 78 seconds, Christian Horner has said that Red Bull Racing gained four tenths a lap in Spain thanks to their upgrades. I don't know how slow is that still. Kural, this basically means that if Red Bull Racing's upgrades had not worked, they would have been lapped by the Mercedes and the Ferrari. Because we know Hamilton and Vettel had already lapped everyone up to fourth place anyway. Oops. That yes. would have been a big, big, big <laughs> oops for Red Bull Racing. <laughs> But a 78-second gap also means that Red Bull Racing can no longer only blame the Renault engines. Basically, they've got a lot of work to do on their car. 
Yes, and strangely enough, the Aero era that we are currently in was seen to be favoring Red Bull Racing to making a comeback. But uh, on the point of upgrades, and despite all those interesting complex upgrades that both Mercedes and Ferrari brought to Spain, the cars were actually evenly matched. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's this whole news about a mysterious dial on the Ferrari steering that actually helps the drivers adjust settings to enhance tire life. And Mercedes have started hiding their actual steering wheels. So when they come in for scrutineering, they use a dummy steering wheel. <laughs> it's just so much secrecy in Formula One. I'm just remembering Sebastian Vettel trying to peer into Lewis Hamilton's car <laughs> at Park Fermi. <laughs> but despite that, Ferrari have managed to copy Mercedes's clutch paddle design. And that's what's supposedly helping the drivers at the start. Yes, that's actually interesting because Formula One is always about copying. If, you're, if your rivals have it and it's working, uh, you know, just shamelessly copy everything you get. Just make sure you do not ask for the actual designs because that's what gets you a penalty. <laughs> if McLaren remember. But uh, moving on, Nico Hulkenberg's sixth place in the Renault best of the season for him and for Renault. But Renault will be a little concerned that they were 23 seconds of Force India's race pace. And Pascal Verlaine, great news for him. So he scored Sauber's first point since a long, 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 long time. And his feat is actually quite remarkable for two reasons. Firstly, he attempted a really brave and really awesome one-stopper and he made it work. And secondly, Pascal Verlaine beat several cars with the latest 2017 engine while racing a car with a 2016 engine. And the most interesting part about Pascal Verlaine's team is that the person who put him on that one-stopper strategy is actually a female Formula 1 engineer and that's so heartening to know. And it's also important to remember that this year's Haas, which eventually finished 10th, three places behind Pascal Verline in Spain, is actually using the 2017 Ferrari engine, the, the engine that Sauber actually could not afford. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Pascal Verline's scoring points means that of the 10 teams on the grid, McLaren is the only team to yet score points. Oops. Big oops. For all the legendary <laughs> status and the PR stories. But... Uh, Alonso finished his race, so that's important, and Stoffel Van Doon had his first ever overtake in Formula 1. He overtook, guess who, Joliant Palmer, and uh, somebody I feel should <laughs> anyway be replaced at Renault already. I suspect Fernando Alonso did this. I suspect Fernando Alonso decided not to opt for voluntary retirement only because he was racing in front of his home <laughs> crowd. But anyway, now all eyes on Fernando at Indy 500, while McLaren will go racing in Monaco. In fact, Kunal, they will be on the back foot in Monaco because we know Stoffel Van Doon has a three-place grid penalty. There is no Fernando Alonso. And Button is back, which is great, but he's attempting Monaco without any testing. So we'll see how that goes. Yes, and... We'll have some good racing <laughs> or some good jokes. Works for us. <laughs> and Button, in fact, has said that he might just be back to racing full-time in Formula 1 in 2018 because he has a valid contract with McLaren. Wow. So triathlon's loss will be Formula 1's gain. <laughs> <laughs> the other business that's actually out of business is hasmclarenbrokendown.com. So the site shut down and I think they couldn't afford the... The site broke down. <laughs> <laughs> I think they couldn't afford the frequent upgrades given how often the McLaren cars broke down. 
Kunal, I can't believe you went to that website to check if it's yet there. <laughs> But the Lance Stroll website is still alive and kicking. I just checked that one. <laughs> so on to other news. Hamilton has been rated as Britain's wealthiest superstar. But guess what? He's also blamed the sport for ruining his life. He said he could not socialize. He didn't end up meeting friends and whatever else. But Lewis, just be thankful for a change. <laughs> Why can't you? Like, just be positive about this. <laughs> this just sounds very ominous. Like, you know, he's going to pull a Nico Rosberg <laughs> on us and leave the spot that ruined his life. But Hamilton huffing and puffing and panting on the radio in Spain has made everyone wonder, is Lewis Hamilton lacking on fitness? That's, he's actually an easy target because, uh, firstly, he's been partying all along and he, he's very bold about it and why not? And secondly, he's chosen to train all by himself this year. So I'm curious to see if it is actually fitness or that missing water bottle on his car that hampered Lewis Hamilton and made him puff and pant. Interesting. Lewis Hamilton revealed that he was ambushed in London while he was jogging on the streets and he was ambushed by none other than Nico Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that Lewis wasn't running slowly in front of Nico trying to hold <laughs> him up. But, but that's also what I believe Rosberg is up to these days to remain in the news. Is he really trying to stalk Lewis Hamilton? I don't <laughs> <Okay>. know. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's a chance of Nico Rosberg making a comeback in 2018, you know, given how he can't seem to get away from the sport. <laughs> And the sport can't seem to get away from him. <laughs> so two out of five times or two out of the first five races, teams have actually called and gone on the radio and said Nico. But uh, on that note, I don't think we are even going to, we are even ready to talk about 2018 yet because it's actually a Pandora's box. Come on, we have to talk about 2018. I'm going to go out there, Kunal. So Vettel to Mercedes is what Eddie Jordan said. Only to be said that, you know, he's bullshitting by none other than Nicky Lauda. <laughs> you know, here's the strange thing. Two of the most respected figures in the paddock who say it like it is. And especially Eddie Jordan, who knows things much before they actually happen. I don't know if he's Nostradamus for Formula One. But uh, it's great if a Vettel Mercedes talk is already happening. It's, it's probably a little dated, I would assume, because, you know, Ferrari suddenly picked up pace. But uh, the other driver who said he wouldn't rule out a return to Ferrari was Fernando Alonso. And all, all this while, Wolf has said that he could also consider Alonso for Mercedes for 2018. That Toro Wolf, he is playing with us, Kunal. I'm <laughs> telling you, he knows he can play with us and he is. <laughs> In fact, Fernando Alonso said that he's willing to talk to anyone for 2018 unless Honda deliver a car he can actually win races in. After his stupendous qualifying performance in Spain, I'm wondering if tennis will be a regular occurrence in Fernando Alonso's fitness regime. <laughs> <laughs> that too during the FP sessions. <laughs> and frankly, that P7 was completely out of nowhere. But the one good thing is that it, the one good thing it did was it spoke volumes about McLaren's chassis. So one that Alonso himself is rated as the third best in the sport. Okay, possibly the third best in the sport. <laughs> But unfortunately, in all this talk about 2018, sadly, no one is talking about Kimi Raikkonen. Or, or for that matter, Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> and I think the, the Finns might be a little less wanted as the season progresses. And Max Verstappen, who we know is most wanted. So Marco has said that he won't let Verstappen go to Ferrari. And all of this, while Jos Verstappen, the senior Verstappen, is possibly getting 
a Red Bull talent scouting role. So basically, Max has set up his and his dad's career in the Red Bull racing camp. I'm just watching though whether Daniel Ricciardo could find a place at Ferrari. Yeah, that could be really interesting. That would be awesome. <laughs> if Kimi Raikkonen doesn't get a contract in 2018, which could unfortunately be likely, Kunal, he could well turn radio jockey for Formula One. <laughs> Or maybe become a regular feature on our podcast. Yeah, he anyways loves his karaoke or karaoke, whatever you call it in your part of the world. Yes, because drivers were following his lead in Spain and how. So Kivat, Sainz, Hamilton and even Magnussen, they all asked their teams to leave them alone and you know, less talk, more drive. (laughs) So much fun. But I can tell you that if Kimi Raikkonen retires, we won't be seeing much of him in the paddock. Speaking of retired drivers... Nico Rosberg again. <laughs> we can't seem to stop talking about him. Yeah, we clearly can't speak about Jensen Button because he hasn't retired. Yes, so Nico Rosberg wants to come to India and he wants to do yoga. <laughs> so Nico we, yeah, Nico, we practice yoga every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 in the morning. <laughs> and you are most welcome to join us. And if you do come, please stay back for our podcast recording on every Monday. <laughs> This would actually be his second appearance on our show then. Of course. (laughs) He was the first and he probably won't be the last as well. But uh, moving on, Formula 1 is finally learning from MotoGP. So they used a new driver interview format post-qualifying. And I think that was a fantastic change. It was good to see the three top three drivers come out on the main straight, uh, you know, with a, with a journalist, Will Buxton in Spain, interview the drivers in front of the fans. And... uh, Ross Braun has actually said that he is eager to speak to Dorna, the the guys who run MotoGP, the guys who have the rights to MotoGP, and see if there are learnings that can be exchanged. But more crucially, see if there could be lesser clashes on the calendar in the coming seasons. And basis my math, there will be eight races on this year's calendar that will actually have a clash. So that means that there could be a split in the motorsport viewership around the world. That's a very interesting approach. During Bernie's time, I'm sure he worked as hard as possible to ensure all the clashes that he could. (laughs) You know, I don't know if it was about him uh, losing his top drivers to rival series and if that was a reason. And maybe he didn't want anyone to watch any other racing series ever. That could also be a reason. But we'll never know what went into that octogenarian's mind ever. (laughs) (laughs) Much like we don't know now. So there are these crazy reports of Bernie buying Force India or him helping Brabham buy Force India. I know we spoke about it last season, but I cannot wrap my head around that. So it sounds a little silly, but does this give some sort of a hint about the future, especially when it comes to equal payments to teams? Now, I don't know if an equal payment is possible, but are there more favorable payment terms coming up ahead in the seasons to come for the midfield teams. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense because I can't remember last when Force India would have made a profit. We'll see how that goes. And finally, guys, this week's episode cannot conclude without talking about the most famous Formula 1 fan this week. We're talking about Thomas, the cute little kid, who is also a big Kimi Raikkonen fan. Yes, he is a big Kimi Raikkonen fan, just like you. Yay. And uh, (laughs) yes, I saw you crying when Raikkonen crashed out. Unfortunately, there were no TV cameras (laughs) to pan on to me. But is this the new Formula 1 that we are seeing? Or probably this is the new Formula 1 that we just saw. Fan-friendly, open, social. And I really doubt if Ecclestone would have ever permitted this. He would have (laughs) loved that Iron Curtain between the paddock 
and the pit lane and the grandstand. <laughs> I think we'll be seeing a lot of crying babies in the next race. <laughs> a lot of parents will be like standing behind and poking their kids and cry. Come on, cry. Cameras are on you. <laughs> and uh, so a few teams would surely be envying this lad because he got more coverage than they did on race day. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, as we look forward to the 2017 Monaco Grand Prix, we are also as excited about Fernando Alonso's debut at the Indianapolis 500. We will be back next week with as many news, as many stories and as many jokes on the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.